Good morning, church. Good morning, family. So good to be with you here this morning. Welcome here today. I'm trusting and hoping that you're just as expectant as I am for the Lord. The Lord is going to do in our hearts this morning through the Word, through the series, as we are transformed by His beautiful words of truth. So let's just prepare our hearts and remain in this attitude of worship and intimacy as we go deep into the Word today. Amen? Are we ready for the Word this morning? So church, today I want to speak to you about something that the Lord has really impressed on my heart over this time of the fast leading up to the message today, and I believe that it's something that He wants me to share with you this morning. Just to backtrack a bit, for those of you who have been here the past couple of weeks, we began speaking and, and teaching on our theme of intimacy. We spoke about abiding in the true vine, and if we abide in the vine, we will just naturally bear fruit. It'll be a natural outflow of abiding in Jesus. We spoke about having the privilege as believers just to lean into Jesus and become aware of Him in any situation or moment of our lives. We spoke about just slowing down and still in the busyness and striving that's going on inside of us so that we can become aware of His presence because it's in those moments where we can sense what He's doing, what He's saying, and what He's praying, and we can slip into that, that beautiful rhythm. Church, God is calling us to intimacy so that we can be ready for what He wants to pour out into our lives. A great harvest is coming to the church, so we need to be ready and take up our authority in the Spirit. And I really believe that the Lord has been ministering to many of us over this time through the Word in worship and in fasting and prayer as we are learning to surrender our hearts and make a commitment to become more intimate with Him. So we're going to go on a journey together. Is that okay? We are going to go on a journey together to discover how we foster this type of relationship with the Lord, how we learn to abide in the vine and become people that naturally bear fruit. So we're going to do this together. So take the person's hand next to you or just touch them on the shoulder and say, we're going to do this together. You don't have to do this alone. Amen. As I've been thinking about and, and praying about this journey that we're going on and becoming aware of God's presence and pressing in deeper to what the Lord has, has been saying, I really felt the Lord impress on my heart that there are still some areas of our lives where we need to trust Him. There are still a few places of doubt that creep into our minds when life throws us a curveball or when the storms of life happen and something happens to us that we can't control. And as I was being purposeful about leaning into Jesus, in this time of intimacy with Him, He began to reveal certain things to me. He showed me that I still battle with, with fear and worry and anxiety. Can we be vulnerable with each other this morning? He showed me that despite the knowledge that I have of Him, that He's the creator of all things, that He's above all things, and that He holds my life in the palm of His hands, there are still some situations where I don't have complete peace in my heart and where fear and anxiety grips me. There's still some areas of my life that I haven't surrendered to Him. Even though I've committed certain situations to Him, I still end up worrying about those situations. And I think we can all do that. I mean, how many times do we pray and then commit something to God and end up worrying about it anyway? And you see, on this journey of intimacy and vulnerability with the Lord, He will show you that sometimes your thoughts and emotions don't tie up to the truth of God's Word over your life. They don't align with His promises and His plans. 
But in fact, what they do is they lead you away from his presence and they create a divide between you and his abiding love. And just that's why it's so important to God. That's why he wants us to get to the heart of the matter and deal with what's happening inside of us so that we can focus on him and only him. He wants us to get rid of all the clutter that the enemy brings into our life all the time. He wants us to get that out the way so that we can focus on our Savior. And you see, church, there's this battle going on inside of us that we need to conquer. There's this battle that inside of us, we need to win the war within before we can truly experience His presence, His rest, and this abiding love that that we're speaking about, right? And I really believe that's why the Lord started highlighting these different areas of my life to me. And maybe He's doing the same to you. So that He can show us what is preventing us from stepping into this place of intimacy with Him. Because it's in this place that we will find rest, we will find joy, and we will find peace, and we will walk in our purpose. And it's a journey, church. It's a journey. Like I said, we're going on a journey. And it may be a difficult journey, but the Lord wants us to go where not many others are willing to go so that we can find Him. And it often comes as we go through a a breaking process. It often comes as we go through a revealing process as the Lord reveals the the true condition of our hearts. It was A.W. Tozer that said, The Lord cannot fully bless a man until he has conquered him. He cannot fully use a man until he has conquered him. So with that encouraging thought in mind, I want you to ask yourself a question this morning. Something that I've asked myself many times this week. Ask yourself, is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? We're all going through something right now. We're all facing something. Difficulties, problems, health issues, financial concerns, or relationship breakdown. We all have struggles and pain in our life. Despite all of that, is it well with your soul? Is it well with you? And be honest with yourself when you ask yourself that question. Now, who's heard of the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul? By show of hands. It was a hymn written in 1873, and for the younger generation, probably many of us have never heard it in church before. Did you see how I classified myself in the young gener- generation there? <laughs> but it is certainly something that is well known and loved by many of the older generation. No offense to the older generation. I'm not saying that you're old. I'm just saying that you still listen to songs written in 1873. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Jokes aside, it really is one of the most beautiful hymns ever written. Let me give you a brief background on how this hymn came about. In 1871, a man named Horatio Spafford, he was a God-fearing man. He loved the Lord. He He was a lawyer and a very successful businessman. And he had invested his fortune into the city of Chicago. And in 1871, a great fire came through the city, destroyed the city completely, and he pretty much lost everything. So he decided to pick up his life and and rebuild his life, rebuild his, his business. And two years later, there was a major downturn in the economy, and he lost everything again. After all the financial strain, after all the disappointment that he suffered, He planned to go on a trip with his family to England with his wife and and four daughters. 
Now, just before they were about to leave, he was held back by some business that he had to wrap up, and he told them to go ahead and that he would meet them there. A few weeks passed, and he received a telegram from his wife, Anna, saying just two words, saved alone, saved alone. The ship that his wife and four daughters was on crashed into another ship at sea, and all four of his daughters were killed. He got onto the next possible ship to, to meet and grieve with his wife, and you can just imagine what he was going through. His fortune is gone, his, his family is gone, his dreams have, have been destroyed, and when he came near the spot where it happened, where his daughters were killed, he wrote these lyrics. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And the question I have for us is, how in the world can a human being lose his material possessions, lose his daughters, and come to that place and say, it is well with my soul? How is that possible? <clears throat> when you're overwhelmed with the busyness of your life, when your marriage is in conflict, when anxieties and fear just begin to overflow your mind, when you've just lost a loved one or you've lost everything that you ever had, how in the world can ordinary people like you and me experience the peace that Jesus promises and the peace that Horatio Spafford spoke about? And what I want to submit to you today, church, is that we have two options. When circumstances and difficulties and storms come into your life, option one is I can trust in a God that says there's a supernatural peace produced by the Holy Spirit of His presence in me that will filter all of the stuff that I'm going through and allow me to understand that God's in control. That's option one. Option two is I can worry, I can become anxious, I can try and control the situation myself and I can just literally become overwhelmed and paralyzed by fear and anxiety. Jesus said in John chapter 16 verse 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And you may say this morning, you know, I know that Jesus promises this peace, but, but how do I get there? How do I live and abide in this, this love that produces this supernatural peace? And church, what may help us to get to a deeper understanding of this today is if we, we first look at the symptom Right? Let's look at it, let's understand it and the implications thereof. And then we look at the solution in Christ Jesus from God's word, exactly how you and I can respond in a way where he promises that we can experience this type of peace. Is that okay? And church, what is the opposite of peace? There's a number of things, yes, but the one word that would probably sum it up best is the word anxiety. As you would have seen, that's the, the focus of my message this morning and will be a focus of the series. The Lord has been leading me to teach and preach on the subject because of personal experiences, yes, but also because I've spoken to many people outside of the church and including our church that are battling with this very thing. They're battling with the grips of anxiety and it's literally taking over their lives. And so we're going to focus on this very important topic for a couple of weeks and deal with what's going on in here in our soulish realm because as Christians, we were not meant to live under the control of anxiety. 
and we're going to be set free by the power of God's word. Amen. 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 So let's look at the symptom. Anxiety. Church, what you need to know that is that anxiety literally destroys you from the inside out. Anxiety is the number one health issue for women these days and the number two for men. And the reason it's probably only number two for men is because men want to be tough. You know, we don't want to admit our weaknesses, right? The definition, where are you going, Steve? You're the only one that's admitting it, eh? <laughs> the definition of an anxiety says it's an emotion characterized by uneasiness, apprehension, dread, concern, tension, restlessness, and worry. The anxious person often anticipates misfortune, danger, and destruction before it ever happens. The causes of anxiety are fear of the future, fear of conflict, and regrets over the past. And it's often referred to as a meteor shower of what-ifs, you know? What if I do this and that's going to happen? Or what if something happens to me a week from now or two years from now? And here's what it does to you. Listen to the list of what it does. In fact, the classical definition in Greek of the word anxiety literally means a divided mind. A mind divided into hundreds of different directions. In German, the word anxiety has a picture of someone being strangled. In other words, if you're anxious, your circumstances are literally strangling you, choking the life out of you. That's what anxiety does. And it does it psychologically, it does it emotionally, and it affects you physically. And if you're an anxious individual, you may be some of the following. You may be hyper alert, irritable, fidgety, or over-dependent. Anxious people may talk too much. They have difficulty falling asleep. Their concentration may be impaired and their memory poor. They may even be immobilized by the anxiety. Some other symptoms of, of anxiety are headaches, quivering voice, episodes of hyperventilation, abdominal pain, nausea, and diarrhea. That's bad, right? But it gets worse. <laughs> this sounds really encouraging, doesn't it? High blood pressure. Rapid heart rate, fainting episodes, frequent urination, and impotency. Anxiety is the underlying cause for many psychological problems, which include neurosis, psychosis, physiopsychological disorders, and phobias. I know that's a lot. That's enough. And church, all of those big words and all of that to say that anxiety is a destructive thing. It'll mess with your, your, your mind. It'll mess with your heart. It'll mess with your emotions. It will affect the people around you. It will affect your relationships. And church, before we get into the scriptures on how to deal with this, because the word of God is the only way that we will get through this. Amen? Before we unpack the scriptures, I want to mention four things that have happened in our society over the past couple of decades that have led to these dangerous levels of anxiety. I want to give you a couple of practical examples this morning. Number one. Since the schooling system has started removing God from schools, there has been a definite spike in anxiety amongst children and teenagers. And I know the parents are thinking, you know, it's extra workload, it's extra curriculum and all the pressures that come with it. But I don't believe this is just a coincidence. Did you know that the average high school student today 
Listen to this, parents. The average high school student today has the same levels of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. A recent study done by a well-known research center shows that anxiety and depression top the list of problems that teens face today. Anxiety and depression are at the top by some margin followed by bullying, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, poverty, teenage pregnancy, and gang-related violence. Right at the top of the list for our teens, our children, our teenagers, and even our young adults is the sense that anxiety is taking over and consuming their lives. But it's not just this age group as we know. It's all of us. It's all of society. It's become an epidemic. Number two, we are less socially connected than ever before. I think this is quite an obvious one because we have replaced real relationships with technology. In the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, people did life together much more than they do today. Today, a lot of us sit on our PCs and our cell phones, and that's our form of relationship. And no judgment here, because we can all fall into that trap, but here's what it's done. It's caused a decrease in real relationships, life on life, where you can learn from each other, grow together, and you know, impact other people's lives. And a decrease in tangible relationships increases your levels of anxiety. Why? Because God designed you for life with others. God designed you for life with others. That's why it's so important to foster these types of relationships. That's why it's so important to come to church and and get involved in a connect group. Because we were meant for relationships. Being in community. People with people will bring down your levels of anxiety. Number three, and this is a, a very big trap these days. Because of our access to all sorts of social media, we are now more aware of what others have. And we start to compare ourselves. And the comparison trap will cause your anxiety to increase significantly. And all studies are showing that the more social media that you engage in, the higher your anxiety levels climb. You know, we're always reading other people's statuses and and stories and comparing our lives to their highlight reels. You know, their perfectly filtered photos or their extravagant vacations all around the world. And... We start to compare ourselves. And before we know it, you know, we start to feel like we're a bunch of losers. You know, we've been left behind and our our lives seem insignificant because we are now comparing ourselves with others. Number four, today we are much more aware of local and global tragedies than ever before. We are instantly aware of terrorist attacks, suicide bombings, and, and wars and rumors of wars. We are made aware of all these diseases and viruses that are breaking out throughout the world, and we become anxious. And as soon as we see someone with a mask on, let's say at the mall, we just assume that the coronavirus is in the country, and we turn around and walk as fast as we can in the other direction, right? All of these instantaneous online forms of communication cause us to be aware of what's happening all around the world, and here's my point. Our brains and our hearts were never meant to receive so much bad news so quickly. The rate at which we are receiving information these days is outpacing our ability to process it. And this is boosting our anxiety levels subconsciously. We don't even know about it. So we need to take control of that, right? 
and I don't want to be sound sarcastic when I say this today, and excuse me if it comes across that way, but do you know that you can actually control the amount of time that you spend on your device? <laughs> Pastor Renal spoke about it a couple of weeks back, where you can set limits on your phone to how much time you spend on each app. That's a good start, right? But then you still have the problem, you've got your phone with you, you put it on your table when you're at work, or you put it on the table when you're having a business meeting, or you're meeting with friends or family for, you know, for a meal. And you have these constant notifications popping through the whole time. Your emails, your SMSs, your, your WhatsApp notifications, news flashes of, of bad news happening, or Facebook and Instagram notifications telling you to look, someone has posted for the first time in a very long time, you know, <laughs> right? And you feel, you feel compelled to look. Did you know? And this is very basic, but it set me free. Did you know that you can turn off these notifications and actually decide yourself when to look at all these things? Right? You can keep confined to a certain period of time every day as opposed to being inundated 24-7. And church, this may seem like a very basic thing that I'm speaking about this morning, but if we don't, we don't make little changes to our day, and monitor what we allow in here and here, we will allow the constant bombardment of information to control our lives. Sounds ludicrous, but we can allow these devices to, to control our lives. But we have a choice. We can take back that control. And church, when we bring these four points together, what I'm trying to say is that without God, with God trying to be removed from everything in society, and the fact that most people are not connected relationally, therefore becoming alone while comparing ourselves to others and at the same time trying to process tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, all of that is a tried and true recipe for all of us struggling with more anxiety. And if you're an anxious person, if you struggle with anxiety, it doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you some abnormal person. It doesn't make you a weak individual. It just makes you human. So if, this, if you've been building up some anxiety just by what I've been telling you this morning, you can relax. We all suffer with it from some degree to another. And our church, I know this is a lot of information that I've given you, but as I said earlier, let's look at the symptom. Let's understand it and the implications thereof, and then we can unpack the solution in Christ Jesus from God's Word, exactly how you and I can respond in a way where He promises that we can experience this type of peace. Amen? So we're going to get into the Word this morning. Are you ready for the Word? Are you ready for the Word? Go with me this morning to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. The book of Philippians, chapter number 4, and let's pick it up in verse 4. And church, this will be the key scripture for our series on anxiety. And I really believe the Lord will minister to us as we go deeper into the understanding of this passage of scripture. And I want to encourage you not to miss a Sunday in this series because I believe that the Lord wants to set us free from the grips of anxiety. Let's pick it up in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, will, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, 
Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So church, that scripture right there is our solution to the grips of anxiety. And we're going to break this passage down to make this practical for our lives and see how the truth of God's word is going to set us free. Today we're going to focus focus on the the first verse, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Would you say it with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Church, one of the key components of living a life with anxiety under control is to learn to rejoice, is to celebrate. And Paul's telling us, you know what, if you didn't get it the first time, I will say it again. And why, is, why do you think he's repeating himself? I think he knew this would be a bit of a, a difficult concept for us to grasp because when you think of it, how do I celebrate the fact that I might lose my job? How do I celebrate the fact that I might be facing this illness or that my marriage is breaking down? How do I celebrate the fact that I've just lost a loved one? And church, what I want you to notice here is, is what it really says. It says rejoice in what? Rejoice in the? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So the key that you've got to get in your mind, church, the key is to celebrate in the Lord. The key is to make it a lifestyle of celebrating and rejoicing in our Savior. You know, for instance, my marriage might be crumbling, but I can still celebrate in the Lord. I might be very ill and facing a serious diagnosis, but I can still celebrate in the Lord. I might be worried about my children's future or that one of my children have gone astray or the fact that my finances are in a very bad situation, but I can still celebrate in the Lord. And church, you see that the key principle here is that belief precedes behavior. Belief precedes behavior. Well, let me say it like this. Belief paves the way for behavior. What you believe in, what you celebrate in specifically about God determines how you behave and how you deal with anxiety. It's a matter of celebrating who God is and trusting Him even when life is hard. And you see, this is a mark of spiritual maturity. When you learn to trust Him despite what you're going through. The first thing you do to change your response to anxiety is celebrate what's true about God. Amen? It's the first thing you do. It doesn't mean that you celebrate in the circumstance that you're in. You celebrate what's true about Him. And church, what we find embedded within this verse and, and throughout the Bible is that peace is found between the truth of God's goodness and the fact that God is in control. Have a look at this image. Peace comes from planting yourself between the truth of God's goodness and the fact that God is in control. It's not coming through so good. Let's try and go forward. Go to the next image first. It's fine. There we go. Peace comes by planting yourself between the fact that God is good, that He loves you, and that God is in control. Just keep that image in your mind this this week. You can take a picture of that if you want to. Church, this is the place where you have to learn to live to decrease and eventually destroy anxiety in your life. 
It's right here, church, between the fact that God is good and God is in control. Can someone shout amen? Amen. Now, in the scripture, the word Lord, church, in case you didn't know, the word Lord actually means owner or master. It means the one who is in charge, the one who is in control. And church, what you need to understand about anxiety is that anxiety has a massive link with control. When we get anxious, it's often because we feel like we're out of control, right? And study after study confirms the link between control and anxiety. Very important. When you're in control, or you think you're in control, your anxiety might go down for a little while, but I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you're not in control. The truth is, I'm not even in control, even though I may want to take control. And anxiety increases as perceived control decreases because it's a perception. And some of the most anxious people in all of the world are control freaks. And as much as we like to think that we can control certain situations, church, as we walk with God, we slowly realize that God is really the only one in control. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, You, referring to the Lord, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Church, Paul When he says rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. He wants us to really get hold of this principle. He understands the importance of this. And we're not going to go much further today in in the scripture, but I want to leave you with a statement today. Maybe the worship team can come up so long. I want to leave you with a statement and I want to warn you because it may cut you a bit deep this morning because it cut me deep. But I think you're strong enough. Let me give it to you. Church, what you are anxious about the most in your life reveals where you trust God the least. What you are anxious about the most reveals where you trust God the the least. And I know that hurts because it hurt me, you know. I mean, I trust God. I trust God with just about everything. Do I really? Do I trust Him with everything? Do you trust Him with everything? You know, if your main cause of anxiety is your finances, it's probably because you trust God the least in that area of your life. If your children have become your greatest cause of anxiety and you've, you've placed your children on a pedestal, it's probably because you trust God the least in that area. Do you know that God loves your children more than you do? At stages of pastoring this church, it's easy for Pastor Renal and myself to become anxious when we think about the huge responsibility that we have towards God to, to, to effectively take care of His flock. And that responsibility will, will never change, church. But as we go on this journey of growing in Him, He's slowly, slowly reminding us that He loves this church more than we do. Yeah. Amen? So what am I saying this morning, church? I'm saying that we all need to relinquish our control. God challenges us rather than seek control. God invites you to relinquish it to Him to help with your anxiety. God is challenging you and me today to relinquish our control and firmly root ourselves between the truth of His goodness, that He loves us, and the fact that He's in control. And church, this is just the start of what God is going to reveal to us through this series, but 
as you go away this week, and life happens, and life throws you a few curveballs, you know, or people speak negativity, negativity of your life, and you feel this anxiety build up, building up inside of you, just remember this. Just plant yourself between the fact that God is good, believe in that, that God is good, that He loves you, and that God is in control. Amen? Church, I'm going to finish with this today. When the world seems out of control, remember that our God is in control. Even when it looks like the enemy is going to win. Our God will have the last say. Our Bible says that in the end, that God wins and that God's people win in the end. And we have the right, because of the price that Jesus Christ paid, we have the right to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Amen? Amen. And if you believe that this morning, if there's even just a little bit of belief inside of you, a little bit of faith stirring inside of you, if you believe that God is good and that He's in control, would you just give Him a great shout of praise in this place? church. I'm going to just let uh, Kirk lead us this morning, but if you want to come to the front this morning and you just want to, in your own mind, represent yourself and you want to root yourself, your, your peace, you want to start this journey of peace, of dealing with anxiety, come and root yourself this morning between the fact that God is good and that He's in control. You can come to the front this morning. We're going to a, a time of ministry. But church, if you feel also there's certain areas of your life where you want to relinquish your control to God, you may have surrendered everything to God, but there may be some things, one or two small things that you're still trying to hold on yourself and trying to take care of yourself. I want you to come forward this morning. Come feel free to, to surrender it before the Lord this morning. And let this be the starting point of all of us dealing with the grips of anxiety. Amen. Please stand with us.